My name is Julie Kraft and I have bipolar 2 disorder. I'm Shaylee Hugendorn and I live with bipolar 2 disorder. I was diagnosed 10 years ago at the age of 36. I was told of my diagnosis and I remember being relieved but also terrified. I know um, the perceptions and the stigma that goes along with it. I started sharing my story about four or five years ago. I decided to come forward and start sharing. It's led to me meeting the most amazing people walking the same path. So we had talked about collaborating. My greatest hope is that others will hear our stories and feel less alone. We can offer insight and give the world a real life living example of what bipolar disorder can look like. This is bipolar. This is Bipolar. Hi friends, welcome back to This is Bipolar. I'm Shaylee Hugendorn. I am a mother. I am a wife. I do a social media management and events and all the things. Um, but my favorite thing is to be a mental health advocate and be here with you. I am so excited for our episode today, and I'm excited to do it with our co-host, Julie. Yes, I'm Julie Kraft, also a fiery, passionate mental health advocate living with bipolar 2. Um, also wife and a mom of three, um, artist, author, and just thrilled to be here recording again with my fabulous co-host. So today is the follow-up episode to one we um, just put out about big life changes and triggers. Um, we also have a previous episode to that about smaller day-to-day um, -day triggers, but our last episode, which you will definitely want to check out, both of us mm. shared about big, big, big life changes. There are so many big ones that we can face as people living with bipolar that mm. can really affect us in so many different ways. And in some, in some uh, cases, they can actually um, be the catalyst for bipolar disorder um, yeah. showing up. And whether that's the death of a loved one, a big career change, an unexpected illness, um, relationships, sometimes beginning falling in love and sometimes ending. And one of the big changes that I touched on in the last episode um, was my move, recent move from Canada mm -hmm. down to the USA. So moving from British Columbia, Canada down to Arizona. And there were so many different parts of that move that were so um, difficult for me. And so I did go into those. Shaylee also shared about some big life changes, yeah. um, talked about, uh, you know, dealing with some really unexpected flooding, um, wanting to move, almost moving. And so today we are so thrilled to be sharing a little bit about how we coped and managed through those big life changes. And yeah. uh, we have also, we love it when we put out a question to our community and we hear mm -hmm. back. So Shaylee's going to start off by sharing yeah. a few coping mechanisms that we've heard back from you. Um, and, yeah. you know, we say this so many times that this community um, gives back to us as much as we hopefully, you know, give to you in our sharing. So Shaylee, share away. Yes. I also want to say thank you so much to our community as well, because I sometimes don't think 
of things till last minute or Julie and I aren't like plan our topics three months ahead. So I literally asked last night, the night before we were going to record today and you were all on it. So thank you. You came through. <laughs> I think you definitely are our people. <laughs> so um, some of the ones that I said and that I am going to tell you about um, came through our stories. And so it says, I wait for my manic episode before I do big changes. I think that that's genius because we are we know we're more impulsive. We know um, just because we have the big ideas, some are great. I'm not saying that we can't make decisions when we're manic, but I think huge ones, um, we need to uh, check with other people or wait till we're not manic. In my case, I'm manic for very long periods of time. So I, if I made no choices, it would be yeah. too hard, but I would definitely check in with uh, a bunch of other people. I.e., if you heard last time, I was ready to move to a secluded island. Thank goodness I had friends and family <laughs> that um, talked to me about that. So it also says, uh, take one day at a time. And if that's too hard, one second at a time. Yes. And I bet you we can both feel that, right? Yeah. Um, anxiety focuses on the future. Depression focuses on the past, right? And so when we have anxiety and we focus on the future, it's hard um, to see anything but that. So definitely even one second if you have to. Yeah. Deep breaths. We know this. It sounds yeah. so easy. It is not easy. I literally, to do any deep breathing or meditation, I literally have to do it at yoga. And I'm just learning after this many years um, to do it on my own. Um, it also taught breath work. Um, it says that they, this person has anxiety cards with different activities to do on it. Because Ooh. we know these things to do, but sometimes, I don't know about you, Julie, but when I'm in it, I don't reach for the tools in the toolbox. So having physical things or making things, this actually inspired me to make a physical toolbox with the things, right? I love that it. we know what to do um, to remind you. Asking for support for from our support system. Yeah. Um, sounds simple again, but I don't know. I feel sometimes like I'm in that place again, or I'm repeating myself. So I sometimes don't remember to go to my support system because I'm either embarrassed or I'm stuck in the shame. Um, but we know find the safe people. Also, it says, I will never buy a house that needs renovations again. <laughs> Very wise. <laughs> yeah. And then therapy, therapy, therapy. Um, some people say cuddle with dogs. Julie and I do that too. Yeah. And then one of you, I just love your honesty in this one. It just says, oof. None, I guess. I really need healthier ones. And I just want to say to that person that we are we're here and we hope you're listening to this episode. <laughs> I'd love to hear the ones that um, that you have, Julie. Yes, absolutely. So I have some repeat ones, but I think they're great to repeat. I love this one though. The answer is, I don't know. I need advice on this one. So we are here and this is for you. Um, talk to mentors, do everything in my power to prepare trust God with the rest. And I think this is critical. Um, I don't know how many of us out there actually have uh, someone in our life that we look up to as a mentor. Um, I, you know, have had a few over the years and it really, 
is powerful to be able to go to someone. Um, you know, mine were a little bit older. They'd been through experiences, uh, you know, being moms and wives. And uh, so I really love that one. Um, also, oh, can, I, can I interject on that one? Because yes. you just sparked an idea. I think to watching, now there's people available. Watching yeah. people that are farther along in their bipolar yeah. journey or asking questions about that can be so helpful. Even even for me now, looking at people that have like more experience with certain things, hundred yeah. percent and yay for the internet for that. Okay, yeah. sorry. Absolutely. Oh, and I forgot to mention, yes, just to trust God with the rest. And I think oftentimes I forget, you know, I really do believe that um, ultimately he, he's got me. So um, that was great. Okay, have honest conversations with all parties so that we know what to expect from one another. Boom. I love this one. I think so often we get disappointed or we get stressed out when our expectations um, don't line up. Um, and so I think that's really important to be, you know, realistic with our expectations. Um, having a baby soon, managing other stresses as best I can and leaning into support. So there we go again, talking about, you know, how important it is um, to have a support team and network. Oh, I love this one. Cutting toxic people out so important i mean if you're already struggling with something and you're not surrounded with people that are positive or supportive or helping you or helping you to be your best sometimes that's what it takes is cutting them out therapy yeah, Remind yes. me to talk about that one later. That sparked hey. something. Too. I'm sorry. I'm really excited. No, about these. no problem. Um, therapy, <laughs> lots of open communication with my partner. Amen for that. Small goals to make it manageable. And I will touch on that when I go into some of the ways I coped with my big move down here. Um, writing lists. Yes, yep. absolutely. For someone that's a little bit scattered like myself and my mind is often like, you know, a gumball machine, um, writing lists and to do lists can be very good. Um, taking medication and, you know, for myself and also for Shaylee, we have chosen to take medication as part of our, um, you know, healing journey. And so, yes, for uh, some of us, that's absolutely part of helping us to cope with big changes. Um, counseling, cleaning my house so no clutter. Bingo on that again. I do find that when my house is more orderly, um, it actually helps my mind to feel more calm mm -hmm. if I don't have a kitchen counter that is stacked miles high. Talking about my fears, reminding myself that I can deal with it. So those are all amazing. And I think part of this episode's goal is to help each other, give ourselves tools and let us know that, yes, we can, we can do this. It's not always easy, but we can do it. <laughs> we can do hard things, right? Yes, absolutely. Mantra. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so those sparked so many things. So I'm gonna try to remember back to, so I'll go back. So the clutter one. So yeah. I, uh, in some of our posts, we've talked about that and we've had conversations about that and it gets so overwhelming, right? And I used to think, and I know a lot of bipolar um, folks that deal with bipolar, I'm yeah. trying to say it right, right? Person yeah. first, person first, it's hard people that live with bipolar get overwhelmed because we think we have to do the big picture. So it has to be all clean. So I would wait till I could clean my whole house or it's not even worth it. But I've started to do this practice where it's like clean one little section, 
right? And sometimes that will lead into me cleaning more, but then it's just that satisfaction. And you said small goals. I read somewhere that you can trick your brain to the average human walking to the end of the driveway isn't a big deal. But when you make those goals, you get this brain chemical magic thing, Google it for the actual medical thing. (laughs) We're not docs. Um, So if you can trick your brain because it remembers, oh yeah, I did do something and I can do it again. And so instead of making giant things, my lists sometimes can be like, get dressed, put on a, a different outfit today when I'm anxious because, or manic, because I jump to the thing and I forget the logical steps in between. Yes. Well, I'll let you talk about one. And then while I try and think of the other spark, tell us about how you now. cope with selling your house and moving or things that maybe they weren't coping mechanisms, but looking yeah. back, you saw that they helped you. I think for me, uh, the biggest thing that helped was just breaking our move, which had so many moving parts, um, breaking it up into little chunks and not trying to think too far ahead. Yes. Because it didn't do me any good to worry about how we were going to find a new house um, until we had actually sold our house in Vancouver. And so that was really hard for me because I can easily catastrophize, um, you know, jump to the worst and then take it, you know, 50,000 steps further when really the challenge and what I tried to do was just focus on the next little piece of the puzzle in our move. And so whether that was getting the realtor write-up done, you know, getting the info to him about, you know, how many square feet we had, and then, um, you know, just checking off those boxes. And our to-do list with the move was, you know, thousands of pages long. So the only way that I think I could really get through it was to just try my very best to not see the big picture and focus in on the little things. Um, Another big change was my daughter's wedding. Oh, and first, first daughter getting married. Yes, it was so, so exciting. It was also a COVID wedding. And so I think for this one, I'll talk about just expectations and we had to reset and pivot and adjust and, you know, the restrictions kept changing. And so again, we just had to say, um, you know, let's plan as much as we can and then just try to be flexible. And that can be really hard for those of us living with bipolar who need to sort of see the picture and kind of figure out how everything's going to lay out. So the end of the day, it turned out absolutely beautiful. It was a small wedding on a family farm. The other thing I've really learned is to call in support and help where you need it. Even if you're someone like me, who's not always a team player and likes to try to control everything, I really had to realize that in order to, and I don't say this lightly, keep my sanity throughout that, I needed to allow people to step in and help me where they could. Even the day of the wedding, I had convinced myself that somehow I needed to be at the wedding venue, yet also with my daughter getting ready. I'm so glad that I let the people that I did help, and you know who you are, they did the most amazing, beautiful job. And I was able to actually not be stressed out on my daughter's wedding day. I was able to just enjoy it and be there as mother of the bride, which still blows me away. But those are just a few 
things that I learned that helped me to cope with my move. But Shaley, in the previous episode, you did mention that you unfortunately had more than one flood yeah. in your home. Yeah. I can't even imagine what that would have been like to go through, but how did you cope with that? How did you yeah. get through such an unexpected interruption mm-hmm. in life? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be completely honest. First flood because they had said that it was a one one in 100 weather um, incident and that chances are, you know, it wouldn't happen again, all these things. So I actually knew that I would feel safe again in my house if I could just get through this. So I threw myself into the little things um, that I could control. Yeah. So I had to make a list what is completely out of my control and what is in control. And I had to keep checking that list because I wanted to live in the what I can't control. And our our brains tend to latch on to the negative or latch on to the, you know, like, you know how they say you get this many compliments and one bad yeah. thing and you can latch onto that. It's natural. And I even noticed in my childhood, like yeah. I have to ask people and or write it down or actually make the choice to think about the the good thing or a positive thing because you can always find little even if it was like it was horrible so there was like only little little things so I actually focused on replacing the items because I enjoyed shopping and when that ran out uh, because honestly I was telling you in the last episode is the first time in my life I got tired of shopping because it was so it was so overwhelming and yeah it had to be done in a certain time period so to find a pair of black leather boots that you love that I bought vintage or whatever in that amount of time was actually stressful. Whereas regular shopping is not. So yes, I had the money, but I didn't, um, wasn't able to do that. I actually really leaned on friends in that in the past, sometimes I feel like repeating that I'm an annoyance that I'm, um, you know, I'm not worthy of their attention. I don't want to irritate people. And I just um, asked my friends that were the closest. I said, can I have permission to talk about this to death? And you, and you not tell me that it's going to get better. It's going to get, because you think that that's helpful, but actually that just made me feel like, uh, well, stop talking about it because it's going to be better or stop where it may it it actually made me keep things inside which made me sicker that's the first time I think I've experienced rapid cycling because I would go to being devastated to getting a little bit of a high on you know I got to choose things and redo our basement suite right so back and forth that was intense the second time I did not cope as well because the fact that it happened twice it felt like and not knowing if I was going to be able to, I knew I had to move, but not knowing if I was going to be able to sell my house in the future. And I would go to people's houses and I would, I could barely go to people's houses that owned beautiful houses. Cause I was like, this is never going to happen to me yeah. again. I thought I'd have, I wouldn't be able to live in the same area. And I was really involved in the kids school. Like I literally felt like my life was like ruined. Yeah. Right. I couldn't see, I couldn't see past it. And, um, Yes, I did things and there were moments and uh, um, I was able to, the biggest thing was just the asking for help and then being um, super assertive, which I'm either totally rock at (laughs) and I'm very assertive and uh, can be that strong person or I'm like, um, is it okay? Uh, uh, 
Um, I had to put on, you know, a very strong tone and voice and because um, my project manager and the, some of the people that I worked with um, very much discounted me and were very much more open to listening to my husband, but he was at work and I was the one that was there all the time. So setting those boundaries and just being like, I actually don't care what they think of me. Um, this is like, I'm paying into insurance and I'm going to pay through the nose after this. So yeah. um, setting boundaries there. So uh, yes, I, I coped, but mostly leaning on people, yeah. giving myself to permission to talk about it as much as I needed to. Yeah. And yeah. something I do now that I wish I would have done then is I've started to do this thing where I say, depending on the um, severity of the thing I'm anxious about or how big it is, I'll give myself like, okay, 15 minutes, we are going to sit in this one spot and not move and either talk to my phone or a friend or think for the every possible catastrophic thing for that time period. And then you're going to get up and do something else. And like I always tell you, I laugh at some of these things before because I just assume they wouldn't work. But now that I'm much more open, um, I've done that. And does it take it all away? No, but it tricks my brain into, uh, you know, almost pivoting just a little bit. Yeah. I used to think that it had to take it entirely away or the strategy didn't work. But I notice if I give it that intense in time instead of thinking about it and doing things at the same time that it just uh lightened it just a little bit so um yeah I have to be honest I didn't cope well for a lot of the time but um I also had to make a a boundary where my husband would uh, take away my phone at certain times especially later into the night especially when there was a heavy rainfall warning because I would pace and google the weather over and over and over again and try to compare was it like last time and I go outside and I feel the rain I had to he had to just step in and and you know be like stop like you can't do this so those are uh some honesty there because you yeah I was gonna say I so appreciate your honesty because and we know these these things these changes this would be difficult for anyone to go through Um, but then when you add in, uh, having bipolar disorder and all the added, you know, challenges that that can bring, um, it's okay. I think for us all to say, this is really, really hard. And I will say I had so many days where I just cried a lot of tears, you know, talked to a lot of people and thank goodness they listened and you were such a huge part of that. And, you know, I, my advocacy did take a back seat and I had to just be okay with that and realize, give myself grace, you know, that I was just going through, um, you know, sometimes it was just everything I could do to get through, you know, the day. So I think it is really, really important to know that even Shaylee and I still struggle. I mean, this move was very recent. I had such a hard time and I would love to share just a Facebook post from a fellow advocate. Her name is Julie Fast. Um, She's an amazing wealth of uh, wisdom and advice. And so she actually, I was so encouraged because this post came up, you know, during my move and I'll just read a little bit about um, from it. It says, I move across the country in a few hours. It's a huge move. I feel uncomfortable. My bipolar travels with me. Well, wow. And then she just said, I still get sick, but I don't get sick like I used to. Um, It still tends to be painful, but the pain is relatively short. 
What matters is that I'm prepared for it. It was just such a relief um, for me to know that I wasn't the only one, um, you know, that was struggling with a move. Yes, things are going to be difficult. And I think just knowing that and preparing for that, accepting, you know, our emotions when they come, sort of honoring them, so to speak, um, is a huge, is a huge, huge part of just, you know, getting, getting through those bigger life changes. Yeah. And if I can piggyback on that, I think that it's really important to be realistic. I feel like sometimes when we're doing really well, um, I can always think, oh, um, maybe I'm not going to react this time. I think it seems like it's a negative thought, but I think that it's wise to think, okay, maybe not catastrophize the worst case scenario, but chances are like Julie Fest said, my bipolar is going to come with me. So to assume that it will be a disruption and plan. I think my, my downfall is that I always um, pressure myself or I always thought not this time, not this time. And so I wouldn't prepare. And then I would judge myself. And like you said, honor your feelings and give yourself permission. Cause it feels like once I give myself permission, um, it's almost like I get moved through the feelings faster. And I love, I, I'm not sure what book it's in, but um, we're going to say it again. We love Dr. Brene Brown, where she yep. actually, we did an activity. Um, I don't know if it was with a group, um, probably my She Loves Friends, but where we wrote permission slips for ourselves. And when I'm really stuck and really berating myself, I write myself permission slips. One of the big things I write it for is because I'm a teacher on call and which is gives me huge freedom, but yet I sometimes feel guilty if I don't work enough or it's like this big game. Like I didn't feel good this week. So I didn't work or when should I work? And um, I have this big thing when I was um, the CEO of my home, which I choose to say instead of stay at home mom, um, this guilt about not working. And so I would write myself permission slips and um, because there was no pressure from, the pressure came completely from me. We're privileged enough as a family that we can make that happen. I also wanted to go back to what you said about um, getting help. So I very much, especially when I do things that I'm good at and when I'm hypomanic, I think I'm better at it and I can do a better job than everyone else, which sounds totally terrible, but let's be honest, we get those grandiose thoughts. And Mm -hmm. so giving up sections of it, like you said, um, for the wedding, um, I always felt like, well, I'm good at it. And sometimes better that I shouldn't, you know, I couldn't, but I would run myself to the ground. Right. And so is it worth it? Because yeah. It would still be a beautiful event, even if that part wasn't completely perfect or how I would do it. And just because it isn't my way doesn't mean that it's not the best way. And so um, we know that not everybody is as privileged as Julie and I, not everybody are, is in the same, um, you know, uh, financial uh, where we're at. And so we talk about things like getting groceries delivered or ordering online. We talk about like, you know, Julie was able to hire movers. And if you can do these things for yourself, hundred percent do it and, and don't feel guilty. I think that's a strategy. Um, But if you, if you can't, hopefully there's people that um, you can ask to help and 
I feel like sometimes we feel like we're a burden, but honestly, sometimes I feel like I try to think of it like it's an opportunity for people to show up for you yeah. because when people ask me or tell me what they need. It's beautiful. And yeah. I also wanted to give you props because um, setting boundaries. So you were very clear during this podcast. And I was just so proud of you because I know that we're similar and that it was probably hard for you, but very you hard told me very much what you were capable of. Like I can record this many times a month or I can give this much time to it. And it really, uh, instead of we might think oh it's disappointing someone or feel guilty about it but it actually felt made me feel safe and helped me plan and organize because I knew I knew what you were willing to do so that then I knew yeah. what I could do and we just figured that out and sometimes we think that we're going to offend people with boundaries but sometimes it gives more freedom and then I feel like I trust you more I trust that your yes is your yes and your no is your yeah. no. Exactly. And I think that's the other thing I'll touch on. And yes, thank you for being um, so accommodating through, you know, really the past two years. But I also think it's so important to never lose sight of the fact that we do have bipolar and all the things that we do on a regular basis to stay well, we have to be extra vigilant about. And so, so many times there was a risk of me, um, you know, missing my medication or not getting enough sleep or having a schedule that was too jam packed, you know, right before we actually moved, of course, everyone wanted to say goodbye, but normally I can't handle more than a coffee date or two, you know, a month. And so I just really had to remember to almost treat my bipolar disorder first. So then, you know, the other things didn't become overwhelming. And so, you know, as we wrap up this episode, we hope that some of the things we've shared are really going to help you or encourage you um, just to know you're not alone in all of your feelings. If you're going through a big life change, um, hang in there. You've got this. Um, You know, it's not always going to be easy, but um, yeah, hopefully what we've shared today will help, you know, lighten your load. Um, And Shaylee is going to share something with us too that is hopefully going to be helpful. Yeah. And in a future episode, we didn't touch it on this because I want to do an episode on it. This might be a surprise to Julie, but I'm really learning a lot about embodiment. And I've done so much head work, like cognitive behavioral therapy and all those things. I'm just really embracing this idea of emotions flowing through your body. And I used to think this stuff was woo woo, but I am telling you, this is working and just reading things over myself and also just, I, yeah, I really want to talk about that journey and um, I'm going to definitely, I'm in, I'm in. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yay. But one of the things that um, I do, I actually get, um, uh, I'm a storytellers app that I apply to and it's um, from Morgan Harper Nichols. And you probably see on our socials that I share a lot of her stuff because it's actually so calming to me. So I have this book, anything we've mentioned, we always put in the show notes, but I just, instead of just talking about what we do, I just love to, to read this um, over you. I just would just love to do that. I just hope that you can find a, a comfortable position right now and maybe even close your eyes if you wanted to. Um, but let's just practice um, some of the calming work together. And I would just love to read these words to end our podcast today. So it says, If you are swimming in a sea of unanswered questions, may you find courage to be silent. 
And while the waves fall over one another in a splash of black and blue, slowly drowning out your thoughts, leaving you with nothing else to do, but fall helplessly under the body of rolling water. Do not think you must rush on. It's okay to spend some time here. It's okay to be the only one here. The shore is calling, but today you're in this water. Find its purpose, its substance. Wait in silence. Fall into a place of listening and surrender and trust that even here in these whirling waters will not carry on forever. And when the current comes, you will be lifted up and carried to the shore. And you will be better for having been there, embracing silence amidst the water's roar. And so I know how hard it is to be silent and still as someone that lives with bipolar, but honestly, a minute or two, five, whatever you can do will really make a difference. And I speak that um, from experience. And I know um, it's hard. Stillness is hard for Julie too. <laughs> and so thank you for being here with us. This is bipolar. This is bipolar. Thank you so much for joining us today on this episode. You can find previous as well as future episodes on YouTube for the video version. You can find the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Podbean. And we spend most of our time where you can join our community and interact on Instagram at this.his.bipolar. It is so helpful if you enjoy our work or think it would be helpful to someone if you could like and share and save and follow us in all or any of those spaces. Another thing that's really, really helpful if you're a listener for the podcast, if you could leave a review, we would be forever grateful. Again, thank you for being here with us. Let's get the word out. Let's share lived experiences so that we can change the ideas that people have about bipolar and help those of us that live with it feel less alone. See you next time. Mm -hmm.